chance. Yenmark down the middle, scores! Matias Yenmark, short-handed goal. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at lvsportsnetwork.com. Puck comes out high, Watt gets the puck, off to the races, into the zone, the righty, right circle, backhander, he scores! What a move! Nicholas Watt gets the Knights back in the lead! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard, and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard, Chris Chapman live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215. Home of the... We were all together today uh, over at City National Arena where I am right now. It's uh, Studio 31. It was the... uh, year-end interviews uh, with the players and the coach and the manager with the Vegas Golden Knights as uh, there was locker room clean-out day. So we have uh, some sound to bring you. But uh, it was a, a very interesting day. It was uh, one of those um, moments where you feel like you're a little bit back to normal, not quite in a scrum scenario, but we talked to Pete DeBoer. I had a chance to converse with uh, Alec Martinez. Max Pacioretty was at the podium. Shea Theodore uh, spoke today. Jack Eichel was in front of the media. Uh, Zach Whitecloud also spoke, as did Mark Stone, which was awesome. Jonathan Marcheseau, William Carlson uh, was in front of everybody, and Braden McNabb along with Kelly McCrimmon. So uh, it was a very extensive day uh, as far as being able to catch up with the Vegas Golden Knights who uh, watched uh, night one, the first four games of the Stanley Cup playoffs last night. Yeah, it's an uncomfortable situation, I think, for a Golden Knights team who is used to participating in the playoffs. And we got, you know, kind of a glimpse uh, from each individual player what it's like to be in this situation for really the first time since becoming Vegas Golden Knights of not participating in the postseason. And, you know, there were there were some some funny moments, uh, some some very candid moments. And, you know, to me, you're, you're looking at a big day, right? Like four ish hours, four plus hours. Uh, we were down at city national arena as, you know, Pete and, and Kelly and, and select players were in front of the media. And, you know, the, the questions centered around, uh, you know, evaluating the season, trying to come up with answers, um, for, for why this team was on the outside looking in and, and then uh, a glance toward the future of, of what this team is going to look like next year. We'll uh, recap what happened last night in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Some interesting results, uh, some surprising results, and in at least one case, mm, an expected result uh, as we recap the first four games. But uh, our focus off the top uh, will revolve around the Vegas Golden Knights and locker room clean-out day and uh, a chance for the media to uh, talk to uh, the coach and the manager and, and several players. Uh, I'm curious from your perspective. I mean, you guys were both in the room. Mm-hmm. What your major takeaway was, because when it came to me listening, I was really motivated to start preparing for game one this afternoon, right after that availability, because there's there's the rest factor that, that Alec Martinez uh, and Max Pacioretty uh, talked about. Jack Eichel uh, alluded to that as well, and, and, and Mark Stone. Uh, there's the the being able to recover from the, the injuries that, that everybody was talked about in some 
way, shape, or form, whether it was the identity of the team or, or dealing with uh, the man games lost. But there was also the part where, uh, and, and I'll uh, point to Alec Martinez right off the bat, uh, like basically let's, let's run it back and we expect to be in contention next year. That, that was one of the best quotes that I heard today. And, and Pete DeBoer uh, was, was on a similar page saying, like, the, the worst thing you can do is, is overreact uh, because he, he's not sure that we ever saw the true version of the, the Vegas Golden Knights uh, in, in year number five because of uh, all the injuries. Like, so many players are, of course, looking forward to having some extra time to rehab given the last two uh, summers. And um, it, it's amazing that, that Montreal, Vegas, and the New York Islanders all missed the playoffs this year. There's three of the four teams in the final four uh, a year ago. Now, some of that has to do with uh, talent in, in Montreal and the changing regard. But I think there's some uh, Islanders and, and, and the Golden Knights went to back-to-back uh, third round. So uh, maybe some fatigue there. Uh, but but I was I was really impressed and motivated and, and a little giddy, guys. At at how everybody said let's let's go and, and we expect to be in contention next year. Yeah, I, I think that that's kind of a natural uh, I thought or idea. I mean, you know, it wasn't too long ago uh, at the end of last season where Alec Martinez was talking about his future and you know whether or not he would extend in Vegas and and what he felt was felt like was in the room and and the special team that was there that that he wanted to come back to and help win a Stanley Cup with. Um, so I'm not I'm not terribly surprised um, by by kind of that commentary. I, I think it's interesting in that um, you get a real sense, I think, of how difficult the last two seasons have been just from a like a chronological perspective. Right. Like you've got a full season and then a uh, mostly a full playoff run outside of the final week and a half for the Golden Knights. You're talking about mid-June wrapping up. And then all of a sudden you're right back in training camp going into an 82 game season for the first time in three seasons, right? First time in two and a half ish years. And I think that, you know, at times maybe we lose sight of it, even though you and I are in it, Chris Chapman, like we're all in it. Uh, we're in it from a very different uh, lens. So I think the general sense that I got today was that while the result of this season is disappointing, I think the energy or the or the ability to recharge completely over the course of this offseason, get into the gym, work on some individual things that you need to improve to get better, uh, it should give the Golden Knights maybe a little bit more of that hunger and that urgency and that desire uh, to just go and prove to the world that this team is as good as we think they are come next season. And I think that, that there are times where that's needed. The Golden Knights have been to consecutive third rounds in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I'll throw this out there and you agree or challenge me on this. I think there's going to be more anticipation, more excitement about September's training camp than there was last year's training camp, which was the first training camp in a while. Mm -hmm. But the, coming off uh, some some time to to lick their wounds, some time to reflect, uh, some time to uh, rest and 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 recover, uh, and and then the motivation and and of recovering from the sting of of this disappointment, I think next September is going to offer some real buzz ar ar around this team. Now I'm a half full guy. Mm -hmm. Where are you? I I think there has to be. I, I mean, again, I, I as 
I was sitting in that room, every single player that came up to that podium more or less echoed those same sentiments, right? That that next year is almost a prove-it type of year for the Golden Knights. And I, I think, you know, Braden McNabb used the word, um, you know, when you're when you're humbled by an experience like this, uh, that can be dangerous going into next year if you use this as the proper motivation and the proper fuel to inform your offseason and, and then yeah. how you approach the the training camp. Mark Stone specifically mentioned how important training camp's going to be next year for the Golden Knights to kind of set that bedrock. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that, Sometimes you you need to take a step backwards before you can take a step forwards. And you know when when you lose in the third round, maybe maybe you you find yourself in a position where all you're trying to do over the course of the summer is get your body healthy and ready to go for next season. Clearly that wasn't really enough time for the Golden Knights and they were bitten by that injury bug from training camp on. So again, I, I choose to look at this time off not as a blessing because you, you'd rather be in the playoffs. Right. But I do think that it's something that is welcome for this team. How about and, opportunity? Sure. It, it's it, it's certainly an opportunity. It's an opportunity really for the first time in, what, three years for individual players to map out a full offseason of training and then work on individual aspects of their game they feel they need to in order to get bigger, faster, stronger, and better on the ice. So you guys sat uh, there as William Carlson and Kelly McCrimmon, Braden McNabb spoke, and John Marshall was in front of the media, Zach Whitecloud, um, Mark Stone, Shea Theodore, Jack Eichel, Alec Martinez, Max Pacioretty, Pete DeBoer. Did you guys have a favorite? Somebody that, that just you thought was, was eloquent, that, that gave you great information? Um, and th- this, we'll get more into the, the content and, mm-hmm. and everything else uh, to come. But I'm just thinking uh, about a fan being able to sit there and listen. to the, And these will all be on the Vegas Golden Knights uh, website. Uh, uh, check out their Twitter, uh, but Twitter limits you to 10 minutes. So the full uh, length will be on uh, VegasGoldenKnights.com. But uh, did, was, was there somebody that they just grabbed onto you and, and you thought, that, that was a great explanation or uh, they, they, they've got me going for next year? So there were two. Number one was Zach Whitecloud. And the reason Zach Whitecloud was number one for me is simply put, he would not use injuries as an excuse. Period. Full stop. Wouldn't do it. It, it said he wouldn't let go of this until like next year. Yeah. Well, not just next year, not just game one of next year, but until the Golden Knights have an X beside their name going into the Stanley Cup playoffs next year, Zach's going to use this for fuel. And when he says that, I believe it, right? When he says, I'm not going to sit here and talk to you about injuries, he didn't. And to me, that shows a maturity beyond his years. We've talked about the maturation of Zach Whitecloud since coming here for the first time and, and to where he is right now with his game, scoring eight goals this year, what his ceiling we believe could be if he continues to get better and better. Um, to me, that showed... A level of of maturity from Zach Whitecloud that we knew was there, but it reinforced how nice it is to see that out of uh, a player that young on this team. Like what he say, I never want to feel this again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Doesn't want to miss the playoffs. Doesn't want to feel this again. Doesn't want to go through another round where he's watching hockey instead of playing hockey right now. And then again, just just the the simple fact of, you know, you you've got to 
deal with certain things. You, you got to deal with with whatever obstacles life is going to throw your way. And for the Golden Knights this year, that was injuries and and trying to find a way to overcome it a little bit differently down the stretch is is where his mindset was, and not on you know what we had a lot of injuries and that's the story of the season. He that to be the the talking point, and I thought it was great. So it was uh, player number two or person number two. Jonathan Marcheseau. Um Ooh. and and Jonathan Marcheseau because um like I don't think there's a player and and uh, I mean there were some comments from a lot of guys that I absolutely loved William Carlson's comments specifically on um you know kind of leaning into some of the sentiment around the league surrounding the Golden Knights I thought that that was fantastic Oh people but, rooting against Vegas Yeah but the part that I love from Jonathan Marshall was two, two parts. One, I don't think there's anyone more proud of what he's done with this team than Jonathan Marshall. So he wears his love and adoration for this organization on his sleeve. And I think that that's fantastic. And the idea that he would put kind of the identity, right, of, of how you bridge the gap between what went so right for the Golden Knights in the first couple of years to where they are right now and trying to figure out what the next version of this team is supposed to be, that he put that on his shoulders, I thought was fantastic. And then he, he to me, had the one-liner of the day uh, in which he talked about not necessarily getting too bogged down in, in what you're supposed to do and where you're supposed to be on the ice. Sometimes you've got to just not listen to your coaches and go out there and make a play. Hold on. That, that quote that you just referenced, yeah. does that not go back earlier in the season? And I'll tie these together uh, because William Carlson and Jonathan Marcheseau, uh, who we were just speaking of, uh, were both asked about uh, pending restricted or unrestricted free agent Riley Smith mm-hmm. and whether they'd not uh, want him back or what, what their feelings about uh, their long-time lineup. And they, they both, like, oozed over him. Sure. And, uh, and and they love him. They would love to have Riley Smith back. But remember when Riley was talked about uh, earlier this year about yeah. drawing up plans yeah. and, and face-off plays? Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, William doesn't want anything to do with it, and Jonathan just wants to shoot. So I, 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 I come up with it. So, the, like, Marcia, so is it that, what, what was that quote that you just talked about, uh, like not, not getting too bogged down in the system? Yeah, not getting too bogged down in what you're supposed to do. Sometimes you've just got to rely on your instincts and, yeah. and not listen to the coaches. And, and that's exactly <laughs> what he sa- says to Riley yeah, Smith. Exactly. And, and you know, like, it's it's tongue-in-cheek to to an extent, right? Because, like, we know that Jonathan Marsh is so plays within what the Golden Knights want him to do and expect him to, to do. But, you know, to me... Jonathan Marcheseau is at his best when he's creative in the offensive zone. And the same thing goes for William Carlson and that entire line as the Misfits. Like, they are a very creative line offensively. And I think that, you know, just just the idea that Jonathan Marcheseau is able to and is comfortable enough to kind of make that joke, to make that statement, uh, it just gives you an idea of, of you know, when you, when you talk about pressure and you talk about moments of levity and you're, you're trying to – figure out who's leading that charge now for this team and, and trying to make it fun and, and maybe not so bogged down. It's Jonathan Marsh so and it shined in his postseason commentary. I thought Beat was really good today. Uh, Chapman, uh, who jumped out of you? Well, I, I'm, I'm going to say that I, I kind of wish that we have been in the locker room for the last couple of years because this is a guy that I really haven't had the chance to speak to too much and get to know, but I really like Alec Martinez. Yeah. like I think he has a great mind 
for the game. Like, I think he's very simplistic in the way he he explains things. But there's also that dry, sarcastic, kind of funny quip that he'll throw in once in a while. Like, it wasn't anything specifically that he said, but I just enjoy listening to him talk because I feel like he really, he does a good job of, of getting his point across. There's never any condescendent tone in, in the way he does it but every once in a while he'll throw a little sarcasm in there and you gotta pay attention to him yeah yeah i mean he he really he's a brilliant guy like he's a guy who who like when i listen to him speak i'm like he sounds like a coach and and i think like he he's he's just a guy that like i, I really wish we had the opportunity to get to talk to a little bit more because i feel like he, he he's got he's got so much experience you know obviously two-time cup winner scored a couple big goals in his career so so he has an understanding of what it takes to win at the highest level but i think he 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 also appreciates maybe not a, that's not the right word but he understands the 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 humbling aspect of the game and how hard it is to win and and i think he he kind of mentioned that some of the years he was in la where where they weren't very good or they didn't make the playoffs so um i i feel like like he's a guy who who really you have to really listen to what he says because he's very he he he's very blunt, but in in some ways he's also very not, not very, massive different like emotional uh, levels. Like that, yeah, that's going it's even top or bottom. Yeah, very but, even keeled is probably a good way. If you listen yeah. to what he says, yeah. it's fantastic. And now now you guys know in my role as as television host uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights and and co-host on the on the VGK Insider Show that that I get to also go on the ice every now and then with the guys mm-hmm. uh, when they need a goalie and. Uh, I've been able to, and the only reason I bring this up is because uh, Alec brought it up today. I, I've I've been able to have those conversations that you wish that you were able to have, Chapman. I've been able to have a lot of those with with Alec, and it's not something that I've pushed or pursued. Uh, kind of let him and I develop our own uh, friendship, and he, like, I've had those those some of those heart to heart moments with him, and it's. It's, he's a fascinating individual. And mm-hmm. while he was speaking today, I sent a text to Dave and Shane. And I think they'd be okay with me sharing this. And it was one line. While Alec Martinez was at the podium, I said, would love this guy on a podcast. <laughs> to be able to get into, like, on the chirp for, for 45 minutes or the SL and like, be able to do that uh, for, for 45 minutes and be able to just get through it. Uh, Alec Martinez was fantastic today. He just strikes me as a kind of guy who you, you kind of enjoy going out and having a beer with because I feel like, he, he you, like you said, he, he is a fascinating guy. And I think even, even away from hockey, I'd kind of like to get to know him a little bit more because he just seems like he, he's such a he, – he's so even-keeled, but I feel like he's got a lot of really good stories that he could tell. For me with Alec, it it's always planned, always thought out. He he allows himself time, right, to clearly put out what it is he's trying to to say and the messaging that he's trying to get across. And, really? and I, I think of it the other way. I think he's emotional and upfront with us, but I, doesn't necessarily come in with with a great plan, but but absorbs the question and answers the questions. I, I guess yeah, I don't I don't mean there's a lack of emotion. What I what I mean is that there are reactionary answers, and then there are, let me digest the question and come up with what it is I want to address in, in terms of that. And I think, you know, kind of the the ability for Alec Martinez to to speak about what made Vegas so hard to play against without being there and then getting it, making it clear 
that I can't speak for what happened that season. I can't speak for what the Golden Knights were. I can tell you as an opponent, as an outsider from, from you know, what it was I didn't like about coming into this building against this team. Um, his ability to kind of lay everything out on the line in a very logical way for you to understand the points he's trying to make and why he's trying to make them, um, I, I think are second. And, and his ability to actually answer a question, right? Like, that's the other aspect of it. So many times the questions lost in the answer, not so with Alec Martinez. So there's a couple of places that I want to go. One popular conversation subject was was goaltending and and Robin Leonard, and we've got an update on on his health and and where he is, uh, along with uh, Lauren Brassois and uh, and Logan Thompson. Uh, we learned that uh, there's a couple of different players who are bound for the World Championship uh, with with multiple federations. Uh, identity was a word that kept coming up and I'm not sure I, I thought it was overused today it, it was kind of obvious and that's just my opinion as as one guy in the room that that the inconsistency in the identity with this team was due to injury and so many different players being in the lineup and so many different configurations but here's Jonathan Marcheseau who was asked about the chemistry and the identity of this club uh, a little bit, I would say so. Yeah, I think it's well. What was our identity the first year? Uh, hard-working team, tough building to come and play in. Uh, resilient, never uh, take defeat as a like we're never out of the fight. I don't think we were that this year. So maybe it's on a guy like me. You know, like maybe it's maybe guys have been there since year one. We maybe let it slip a little bit. Uh, I think it's on us to, as the veteran group that we have here, is the, to make sure that uh, we're hard to play against every night, and I don't think uh, we were to the, this year. Again, that revolves around who was available and who was in the lineup and who was at 100%. Uh, more than this being a different team with a different game plan than year number one. And I've got a year number one conversation to come in a little bit. Yeah, it'll be fun to get there. Um, I mean, listen, I, I think that injuries are a reason for sure. Um, but I, I do wonder, right, like what – the Golden Knights are going to look like next year and what the plan is going to be as far as personnel because there are salary salary cap implications over the course of the offseason that are going to have this team looking different. It doesn't mean you can't run it back with the majority of the players, but there will have to be decisions made. Which has been the case one year, just year two, to year three, <clears throat> to year four, to year five. Well, sure, but I mean, like, if you're looking to try to run it back as, as close as possible with – everybody everybody in tow it's it's just it's not going to work that way no. you've, you've got a clear space so um that being said i i do wonder what direction the golden knights go in terms of do they run it back as close to what this team is right now or what they were expected to be this year or do you retool in any way at all to play to um getting more offense out of your zone time. And that's that's something you and I talked about yesterday. It's something that I have kind of out there in, in my mind. We know this team can score on the rush, but 
are they going to be able to find enough goals, whether it be on the power play, and you can look to personnel again about that as far as being in and out of the lineup all year long. Um, are they going to be able to find enough goals on special teams or out of their extended shifts in the offensive zone in order to win hockey games down the stretch and in the playoffs? That's the question. This team will score more next year because it will be healthier next year. I I think that the odds the Golden Knights follow up an injury plague season like this next year are are not you know I don't expect that they're going to be as injured but I do think that injuries are going to occur and that you you can't just you can't just look at it and say okay we know that everyone's going to be healthy for 82 games therefore we should be better I, I still think that there are areas you can improve and and for for those uh, Wendy and Ted uh, on the 250, you're yelling at your radio saying, of course the players are going to say that because they they want to come back next year. Uh, they're, they're, they're doing their year-end uh, media availability. That's what players say uh, when, when they're in front of the media. No. Like, teams that miss the playoffs have very different reactions to watching the Stanley Cup playoffs and not being invited to that tournament. And the most recent example of that is the Winnipeg Jets, who finished off their season the other night uh, on the last day of the regular season on Sunday. And it was former Vegas Golden Knight, Paul Stastny, who was so honest with everybody, like talking about accountability mm-hmm. and, and players respecting players and being able to do all that. There was none of that today. It was all about, we can't wait to get going next year. Now, there's a lot of questions about identity. And please, like the, the team in year number one was special. Mm-hmm. It was. But this is a very different team. And to keep going back to year number one, I think is unfair to all the players. And I don't, uh, like Jonathan just uh, talked about year number one, but this is this is a different time. And uh, these players are, are, are much older or, or blossomed or developed into players. Uh, uh, the, the identity is not going to be the same as that. But players did bring up identity in, in their commentary today, right? Like, yeah. Like having... An identity, and I'm not suggesting that the identity is or should be what it was year one, but when when you have different players that that come before us today and the, the media talking about the need to play faster, the need to be more physical, the need to play to an identity, I mean, I I do think that that's a fair talking point. I thought it was a lot of leading there uh, with the identity conversation. I yeah, there was. Uh, chemistry and uh, can we go to Max Pacioretty uh, because he addressed this uh, both the other day and and then again today talking about chemistry with this 2021-2022 Vegas Golden Knights group. That's the the way it goes with the best teams is uh, you know you see them uh, you know playing for each other and 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 you know making plays uh, in tough areas of the ice and uh, we've had so many guys in and out of the lineup you know You've seen Lions where one year they dominate, the next year they don't even play together. Uh, an example of that would be Boston. You know, they split up one of the best lines in the league. Pasternak's playing with another another line now, and, and that's just the way it goes uh, year after year. So um, I think with all the turnover and, and guys in and out of the lineup and serious injuries, especially on the back end, uh, we saw when guys like Marty and, and McNabb came back kind of put all the uh, defensemen kind of in, in the spot that they're uh, – 
and the role that they, they play on our team. And, and I think that settled down our chemistry on the back end. And I think we defended much better once those guys got back. Um, and then, you know, the forward situation is obviously a little bit different because you play, we want to be a four-line team. But, uh, you know, obviously the last five ga- or four games, we, we uh, had 11 fours. Um, and, uh, you know, that's uh, tough nature of the business, but that's uh, the cards we're dealt this year. And uh, hopefully next year uh, we got a little bit better luck when it comes to that. They, they, they would love to get back to a four-line team and mm-hmm. just roll it over. Yep. Uh, and, and then the, the, the Nick Waugh-led uh, fourth line would be, uh, would be outstanding. And then that's what they see. They, no, they only saw it uh, uh, with Keegan uh, a couple of games. But uh, the chemistry thing, like on Twitter, that looks like a headline. What 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 Max said the other night and and how he dealt with it today, that looks like a headline. But he didn't he didn't mean it like that. It was more. It's tough to. It's the same with with Ryan and I. If if we don't do a show together in the same studio uh, for a couple of weeks, we have trouble with our chemistry. Like jumping in and out and and reading context and cadence and all that kind of stuff. That's just a natural reaction. They had forty players go through their 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 room this year. That's the chemistry. It wasn't that there was conflict between players. That that wasn't the headline. That the 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 meaning of it was, it was tough to develop any types of cohesiveness mm-hmm. with so many different combinations. Yeah, I I don't think that that it was a, a lack of playing for one another or anything like that. I just I think that you know we're we're both kind of saying the same thing here in, in that when you're dealing with injuries, when you're dealing with players in and out of the lineup, that's certainly a reason as to why. Um, the the identity you had pegged for this team was not where it you expected it to be. I mean, Kelly McCrimmon spoke to it. Pete DeBoer spoke to it. Literally everybody spoke to it. Um, uh, the lack of of an ability to play to your identity the way that you want to is very much dictated by who's in, who's out, and not just on the ice, but in the room. And you know, I, I think that that was another major talking point coming out of today is that. You know, when when you don't have the likes of Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, right. Alec Martinez in your room on road trips where things get difficult, things get hard, and maybe you get one of those guys or two of those guys to to step up and 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 they're able to maybe stop a, a moment where you know confidence is is lacking or or low. Um, that gives you a really good indication of how important leadership is, not just on the ice but off it as well. Uh, a lot, almost to a person that was on that podium uh thought that things were really turning towards the end i know they had the shootouts uh that uh that didn't turn out in their favor but uh the power play and some some steady line combinations i i, I thought jack eichel was great today too um in a sense of the honesty of of who he's going to play with mm-hmm. and where we see the combinations and he brought up chandler stevenson who's another center they're not supposed to play together, yeah. but he said the, the guy that I arguably had the best chemistry with or played the best hockey with was Chandler Stevenson, and we're both centers. Yeah, it gives you an idea of just how easy Chandler Stevenson is to play with, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I'm, I'm curious to dissect this in a, in a little bit more. Um, we've got some more sound over the next couple of days uh, for you to, to talk about uh, where the players' uh, minds are and certainly their, their attitudes are. Uh, going into to next year, you've got some uh, real philosophical uh, thoughts uh, coming out. And then the, just the, the pure e- excitement about, okay, that, that sucked what we had to go through this year and all the injury. But we love our team, and we'd love another shot at this as soon as possible. Yeah, I think that's the 
overwhelming sentiment from the players today is that, you know, they, they would relish the opportunity to run it back as close to this lineup as possible with the hope of being healthy through 82 games and to let the chips fall where they may if the Golden Knights have the ability to do that. We've got an update on uh, Robin Leonard uh, coming up on the other side of the break, uh, plus the play of the day. Opening night of the Stanley Cup playoffs occurred, and we have four more game ones to come your way tonight, plus the SalmonAshLaw.com uh, and the uh, Legal Minute to, to pop by as well as we continue on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. No chance to shoot for Stevenson. Centered. Eichel scores! It's time for the play of the day on the VGK Insider Show. That's coming up. It's from Edmonton and L.A. in just a little bit. Darren Millar, Studio 31, along with uh, Ryan Wallace and Chris Chapman. Now, I want to tell you, uh, Robin Leonard has scheduled for his surgery on his shoulder tomorrow. Uh, so he has a recovery time somewhere in around training camp, start of the season. Laurent Brassois is going to be uh, on a faster path than that. Riley Smith, no surgery. Uh, we also learned today that Brett Howden, uh, manageable. Uh, if the playoffs, if they would have made the playoffs, he would have been available at some point during the playoffs. Nolan Patrick, indefinite. Uh, that's not great news. And Nick Hag, uh, uh not long. So uh, that was uh, the list of players that were out at the uh, end of the season. As for the play of the day, that came from Game 1. Oilers and Kings last night in Edmonton. Pass goes to Iafalo. Iafalo fires it down. Another salute bulldog. That's stolen. Iafalo shoots. Oh, saved by Smith. A game saved by Mike Smith coming across. To take it away by a follow. Now a shot by Jersey Storm. And he makes a mistake here. He just tries to be too fancy. Goes up the middle of the ice. Now he makes up for it. He makes an unbelievable save. But then it's just a scramble after that. You can see he never really gets set in a position. And I think this goes off to know the shot from the point. You know, if he just clears it around to the hash marks area. It's just a simpler play. Now he makes up for it again. You got to give him credit for that effort right there. But it just set the tone for the defensemen of the Oilers and the defensive zone coverage to just be caught running around. Ooh, that was in the third period last night, and mm-hmm. the, the winner by Phil Deneau. Mm-hmm. Time and situation. Mm-hmm. I go back to it. I love Mike Smith as a playmaker, but time and situation. Don't throw that one to the hash marks from behind the net. <laughs> I mean, um, if only, and Darren, you know, stop me if if somebody comes to uh, the front of your mind uh, that would bang this drum. Uh, but if only somebody would tell you that in a playoff game, a, a tie playoff game, there'd be a snafu from Mike Smith that would lead to the Oilers losing a game. If only somebody had given you that information ahead of time, you would think you wouldn't be so surprised. And yet here we are. Yeah. I I'm still taking Edmonton to, to of win that series, but That's that wasn't, fine. that was a really entertaining, that was the best game of the night in the Stanley Cup opener. The Maple Leafs trounced was... the Tampa Bay Lightning five Cobb didn't see that coming. Uh, I think I Tampa Bay is going to be uh, better in game number two, uh, a little surprised Carolina rolled by Boston as easily as they did five, one. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it was the most entertaining game of the night because it was the only game, like actual game, that had a little bit of drama, a little bit of intrigue. Like there, every other game was pretty much a no-doubter um, early on, probably by the end of the first period. Uh, yeah, Carolina was was intriguing to me. I, I didn't really expect that from them. Uh, we'll see what comes in game number two. But the, the Toronto Maple Leafs played themselves a solid 60 minutes to get their confidence going in the right direction for that particular series um and you know the st louis blues they could score yep. and the minnesota wild aren't going to win if they're not going to score so there we go 
that's a, that's a two man series, though. We know that, right? What which like series? David David Perron against Mark Andre Fleury. That's a, oh yeah, that's yeah, yeah. A two okay. Two player yeah, series. That's, I mean, it's it's Perron one is Mark Andre Fleury your game two starter? So is is anybody? Uh, uh, well, that that's interesting uh, on both counts in, in that series. Uh, with Cam Talbot uh, and and Mark Andre Fleury, the goaltenders, uh, Billy Huso uh, with a save in his in his playoff uh, first start, but Carolina wins at home, uh, Toronto wins at home, and then L.A. and the Blues win on the road. Yep. Anything going against the flow in your mind with that? No, I think the Kings are a better team than the Oilers. <laughs> Not terribly surprised there. Uh, the St. Louis Blues are are good. Um, pretty, su- I'm not terribly surprised by that result. I am interested to see what the Minnesota Wild do in goal for game number two. Uh, I'm going to go with three out of four are one-offs. I think Minnesota comes back to win. Uh-huh. Uh, I think uh, Edmonton comes back to win, and uh-huh. I think Tampa Bay comes back to win. Three out of four. Thus, continuing the theme that you believe I am right and Toronto is a long shot to win. It is. I, I absolutely am uh, totally you on board with that. Back with it. You pushed back on it yesterday. Yeah, I got a day to think about it. Plus, I'm still concussed. Okay. Kiprios used to use that all the time. All right. Like he was, he was 25 years removed from his last, last concussion. He like, I'm concussed. So I got, I got, I got some time to dine out on this, don't I? Yeah, probably. Bit. Yeah. Uh, my buddy Sam is going to join us in just a little bit from SamAndAshLaw.com. It's the League of Minute as we uh, deal with something uh, in Russia when it comes to a star American athlete. Uh, that's when we continue on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. It's time for the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash on the VGK Insider Show. We got a developing story when it comes to... Uh, Former WNBA star Brittany Griner, uh, is, uh, her case takes a uh, bit of a change uh, when it comes to the U.S. State Department. Uh, here is Sam from SamAndAshInjuryLaw.com, 702-820-1024. How are you, buddy? Hey, doing great. Uh, good to be with you guys. Nice to chat with you. Uh, so so Brittany is now uh, considered an important case for the U.S. State Department because of the way this is going. And that, that, that's a bit of a twist because the, the case kind of went quiet, uh, and now it's considered to be wrongfully detained in Russia. Where does this sit and change? Well, I think it's, it's obviously she got caught up in a, in a political situation. Hmm. And so they're, they're – it's clear to me that they're keeping her, the Russians are keeping her as a pawn. Uh, I think what this designation does is it uh, allows for the State Department to get involved. It, it kind of moves up from the embassy level. You know, if you are, if you're abroad as an American and you get yourself into trouble, you know, a DUI or you end up in jail or, you know, murder or something, you know, whatever, whatever it is, um, if it's a legitimate charge, the embassy will provide you assistance. But if it's an unwrongful detention, then it starts to move up the chain of the State Department, moves, moves to Washington. So now there will be some, I would expect, higher-level discussions between the U.S. and Russia. And I'm I really not too sure that Russia is going to pick up the phone. Yeah, good point on that, Ryan. Yeah, and I think that was one of the things that, that I took away from, from the article on this is that uh, there was kind of that, that idea of – you know, maybe staying a little bit quieter or, or a little more under wraps on on this particular case, so as to not um, 
make this a a, a higher target or a, a higher priority for Vladimir Putin. And you know, to me, like I think that that kind of really shows the scope of how dangerous kind of things are going right now in terms of of those relationships and those relations between uh, the U.S. and Russia. Well, I I have a experience with this. Uh, you know, I had a friend father-in-law who was in Russia and, and was on a hunting trip and went through the airport and he had one unspent bullet in his pocket and they put him aside and they threatened to detain this old guy he's in his 70s at that point and it required a bribe to get him out of as is it Russians I'll tell you the Russians are very very good at this they've done this over and over again the problem is that this now happened at a time when there is a conflict and the Russians know that um, that they can use her as you know as 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 collateral, and they will in, they will they will do it. There was just a high level prisoner swap. Funny enough, about a week or two ago, where we exchanged prisoners almost Cold War style on the tarmac of an airport. So I could see something like this where we ultimately barter with you know someone that we have a spy or someone we we have in custody here in the U.S. Do you think this is? Uh as direct as you can be with the conflict in Ukraine and coming out with uh, with all kinds of demands or negotiations? Oh, it's it's all yeah. inextricably linked. You know, I, 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 my family is from the Czech Republic. I'm very familiar with and dealing with, with, with Russia, with the Russian Federation. I, it's, 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 this is absolutely linked. This was an opportunity. She gave them an opportunity, unfortunately, uh, was in the country at the time, and this is, you know, this, this, this is. I, I think she was returning right as the war was beginning. Yeah. This happened 75 days ago or so. So it was right when the when the conflict broke out. She did the right thing by leaving the country, and I'm certain there was a directive from the FSB, from the you know the KGB successor agency, that said to all border guards, if you find any reason to detain Americans, do it. Uh, Sam from SamAndAshLaw.com. It's the Legal Minute on the VGK Insider Show, 702-820-1234. Uh, I didn't realize that uh, that your family came from uh, the Czech Republic, and uh, like that, that's got to give you all kinds of emotion. Well, cer- well, certainly, right? I mean, my parents left yeah. the country in 1968 when the Russian tanks invaded. So what's going on in wow. the Ukraine is yeah. a little, uh, it hits closer to home for, for us, certainly. Uh, that's what I'm going to blame my bike accident on anyway, is, uh, is uh, somebody is the same time as the thing that I'm, I shouldn't make fun of that. But, uh, uh, thanks for doing this, uh, Sam. You're, you're awesome. Uh, appreciate the insight into it and the legal minute on the VGK Insider Show. You're, you're the man. Oh my gosh. Always great to be with you guys and, uh, and have a great one. Thank you, buddy. Uh, there's Sam from SamAndAshLaw.com, 702-820-1234. Boy, we learn a lot with now uh, when Sam and Ash stop by, don't we? Yeah, always. I, I mean... There are lawyers for a reason. Um, yeah, I know I, Darren. They're they're also our friends, and and that's mm. kind of the the most important part of the the process for me is that you know when you have that relationship and you have that trust built in, uh, you you feel comfortable asking them any questions, and and that's what we get out of the legal minute every single week. Yeah, he put his arm around my shoulder the other day uh-huh. as uh, as we were walking down the street, and he and he looked at me and went, "We'll we'll figure it out." We'll we'll come up with a solution here. I was like, oh, that's awesome, buddy. I appreciate that. It's good to have so somebody in your, in your corner when you're going through uh, stuff like this, and then educate you like he he does on a daily basis. Uh, we've got hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show coming up. More on media availability today. Uh, locker cleanout uh, happened today, and a whole bunch of players who are on the uh, podium uh, speaking into the microphone. And we also have night two of the Stanley Cup playoffs. You're listening to Fox Sports Las Vegas. 
This has been the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash on the VGK Insider Show. Brought to you by Sam and Ash. Visit them at SamandAsh.com because you deserve what's right.